God's word. Not Pastor Reben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. And it is a light unto our path. I thank you, Father, for articulation of speech, clarity of heart, and open ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying through your word. And I thank you, Father, that our financial lives are going to change for the better because we're not just going to hear your word. We're going to respond in faith to it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. We're on our second lesson for our series entitled Prosperity for the Promise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm looking for new prosperity for my promise. And last week we discovered a very powerful principle of how God multiplies seed when we sow it. And as I said on last week, I believe that this area of financial prosperity is one of the biggest challenges in the average believer's life. And so there are five things that I'm going to teach you in this, in this series. The first one is that I'm going to show you why God wants to prosper you. Number two, I'm going to show you how God wants to prosper you. The first one is why God wants to prosper you. Number two is how God wants to prosper you. Number three is why the average believer doesn't prosper. Number four, why a Christian prospering is so dangerous to the devil. And then number five, how you can control your level of prosperity for your life. Today's lesson is entitled, and you may want to write this down if you're taking notes, the first principle for promise prosperity. The first principle for promise prosperity. And again, this is another message that I believe that you will need to add to your spiritual audio library for consistent playing. Now, let me give you the goal of today's message. The goal of today's message is to help you see that when God's way in your life is first, everybody say first. When his way in your life is first and how you handle your finances is first, it puts you in position to consistently prosper. So, Last week, and I hope you remember this, because if not, I'm going to go over this part. Last week, we learned there are two main ways in which financial increase can come into your hands. The first one was through what? You probably don't remember, but I'm going to tell you. Through the production of your hands. Through the production of your hands. What is that? This is where the labor that we perform is exchanged for an agreed upon amount of financial gain. So everybody say the production of your hands. Most people know about that one. But then the second way is positional prosperity. Say that with me. Say positional prosperity. And, and this is where you and I have been spiritually or physically born into a financially wealthy position. Now, this one has two elements to it. It's got the physical prosperity. It's got the spiritual prosperity. And the physical prosperity is where you and I were either born into a family and our parents already had wealth. And that we're just partakers of that. That one's easy, but that does not apply to most people. And so that's why you have the spiritual prosperity. Say spiritual prosperity. This is where you and I have been born spiritually 
and adopted into God's family where financial resources are unlimited. Now, this principle must be activated, and I gave you the first way in which it's activated last week, and the first way is through the planting of seed. But the second one I want to talk about today is through the principle of tithing or the giving of God first. Now, this is where your prosperity is tied to your obedience to give God a tenth part of what you and I earn or receive, and then we honor him at times with the first of what we receive in our hands. So I want you to turn to two passages of scripture. I want you to find Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and then I want you to find Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 5. That was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and then that was Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 5. As you find Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start with that one first. In order to financially prosper God's way, say God's way. Because, see, you can prosper financially and not use God's way. That's what drug dealers do. That's illegal ways of gaining financially. Oh, you can try to gain financially through playing the lotto. I'm not going to ask how many of you all play the lotto in here. But if you haven't won and you've been playing for 10 years, chances are you probably are not going to win. You know the odds of winning the lottery are like a hundred and something million to like one. You say, well, pastor, people are winning. They may be winning, but you're not. (laughs) Amen. So in order to financially prosper God's way, we must put God first and we must keep him first in even how we handle our money. And I believe that's the average believer's problem. God is not first, first of all, in our life like he should. And then he's not first in our finances. So are you there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? It says what in the first first word? It says, but seek ye what? First. What does first mean? It means first. It means in order. Seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And what happens? All these things will what? Be added. So he's saying if we seek God first, he's not just talking about, you know, praying to God in the morning. He's talking about in your total life, if you will put God first, then all the needs that you have, God will supply. Now, I love the amplified version in Matthew 6.33. It says, but seek, aim at, and strive after first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, which is his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. I love that. So now I want you to go to Exodus 20. Let me show you this, Exodus 20, because I'm talking about now having God first in your life and in your finances. And this theme of God being first in your life and in my life is threaded throughout the Bible. And our personal needs and our financial increase is always attached to the order in which we allow God to either be in our money or not be in our money. In other words, I'm saying... See, and and this is going to help those of you who don't believe in tithing because, see, this principle of God being first in your life is threaded from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, and I'm going to show you. How many are there in Exodus 20? Okay, Exodus 20. I'm going to show you first this theme of God being first is very, very important. And God, in Exodus 20, verses 2, and this is one of the commandments that God had given Uh, Moses to give to the people. He says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have 20 other gods before me. He said, how many? 
He says, you shall have no other gods before me. He goes on to say, you shall not make unto you any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Watch verse 5. Thou shall not bow thyself down to them. Here's the point I want you to see. Nor should you what? Now, see, some of you all are saying, well, I don't serve images. I don't serve graven. Well, see, no, I don't know about that. Because if you write down, I want you to write down, write down this verse because it does apply. Luke 16, 13, we're not going there, but this is what it says. No man, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or either else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Watch what it says. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the word mammon there means wealth. Well, how do we know if we have wealth in this world? Everybody say money. So Jesus said in the New Testament, you cannot serve God and money. So if we are serving money, and this is how you know if you're serving money, is if money has control of you and you don't have the control of the money. Amen. Now go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4. Genesis 4. We're close to Genesis. Just go backwards. Genesis 4. Most people who really don't know that they have a problem with putting God first in their finances show it through their disbelief in the tithing principle. And it's not even the tithe that God is trying to get from you as much as him wanting you to make him first in your financial life. And I'm going to show you that this principle of God being first And first things started in the beginning of time, even before the Ten Commandments came. See, some people say, well, I don't believe in tithing because tithing is part of the law. Well, the law didn't start way over into the book of Exodus. But the first book in the Bible and the first people in the Bible, this whole thing of putting God first came up. In Genesis chapter 4, are you there? Look in verse 1. It says, And Adam and Eve, they knew his wife, he knew his wife, and she conceived, and they bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Look in verse 3. And in the process of time, stop right there, that's very important. He's saying, in the process of time, in other words, some time had gone by. Let's see what happened. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, he brought an offering. Now, I'm going to show you that the reason God's going to have a problem with what Cain did is because Cain did what most of us do. We first see how much money we got left after paying our bills, paying TU Electric, paying our mortgage, paying all of that. And then we determine from there what God's going to get. When God says, no, I want you to give what belongs to me first. And then after you do that, I'll bless the rest. Well, let's see what happened to Cain. Verse 4. Let's see what happened. And Abel also brought, watch what Abel brought. He brought of the what? first fruit or firstlings of his flock. Now notice he didn't wait before time went by. Notice Abel said, you know what? This is the first one I got. I'm going to give it to God. And he could have said like most of us, well, what's going to happen if God don't give me no more sheep? What am I going to do? But he knew that this law of putting God first was going to end up being a blessing in his life. And if you notice here, he gave from the first of his flock and the, and the fat thereof. And the Lord, well, listen to this, had respect 
unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he did not have respect. And then Cain got upset. And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry? And he says in verse 7, if you do what's do well, you shall not be, you shall, shall you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. He said, Cain, the reason I have a problem with what you gave me is that you waited until you had all your stuff. You waited until all your fruit came in. And you waited until your whole harvest came in. And then you decided to give me something. He said, no, no, no. I want it first. And let me tell you something about the God we serve. He's a jealous God. And he don't share a first place with nobody. He's either at the top or he ain't at the top. But he's supposed to be at the top. Amen. Now, I want you to write down this take-home statement because this is what Abel did. Giving your best comes before spending the rest. I'm going to say it again. Giving your best comes before spending the rest. Now, go to Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3. See, some of you all have never been biblically, systematically taught of why God needs to be first in your life. But I'm going to show you at the end of today's lesson, you're going to see not only is it important for God to be first in your life, but when you put God first in your life financially, I'm going to show you that it pays off in a multiplied way. In Proverbs chapter 3, here's this principle of God being first again in our life. Look at verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your substance. One, one translation says, with your wealth. And with the first fruits, there we go, of how much of your increase? He said, give that portion to God first. Then watch what happens in verse 10. Then your born shall be filled with what class? Now, see, I don't know about you, but I would love to continue to live a life of plenty. Now, see, most of you all, by not giving God first what belongs to him, you've seen what it's like to live a life of shortage. You know that works. Why not switch principles? He said, your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with what? New wine. I want you to write down this take-home statement. God always portrays what he expects us to obey. I'm going to say it again. God always portrays what he expects us to obey. In other words, God does not expect us to do something he has already done. Now I want you to turn your Bible to Genesis. Uh, now, you know what? Keep your hand on, uh, we're in Proverbs. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Go to Galatians 3. Go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. And then I'm going to go back to Genesis. But go to Galatians 3 for right now. Let me show you something here. What, we, what most believers don't know is that we have been positionally placed in the family of Abraham, which means that in whatever way God has blessed Abraham, he wants to bless us. Everybody say uh, uh, positional prosperity. Say positional prosperity. In other words, positional prosperity is when God has placed us, we were born into a family that has an unlimited amount of financial resources. And I'm saying to you today is that God has spiritually put us now in the family of Abraham. And I'm going to show you here. And, and after I show you how God blessed Abraham, you're going to now have some faith to say, God, if you blessed Abraham that way, if I remember, we used to sing the song growing up. Come on now. Father Abraham, come on, help me. Had many sons. Y'all, how many of you went to the... Many sons had... Abraham, we used to march like this. I was one of them. And so are you. Okay, see, see, well, now why, how, why did, see, they didn't even tell us why we were singing that song. Well, I'm going to show you why you need to believe that song. 
Galatians chapter 3, look in verse 7. Watch this. Know ye, are you there? It says, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of who? Anybody who's of faith in Jesus Christ, they become children of Abraham. Now, I'm going to show you why that's so important. Look in verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, Indeed, Abraham, shall all the nations be blessed. Verse 9 is very important. So then they which be of faith, they are blessed with faithful what? My goodness. So God says, listen, if you have believed in Jesus Christ through faith, that now positions you to be in the family of Abraham. Now, the only way to get into that family is by faith. That's why you cannot give without putting your faith out there. Faith is just saying, God, you told me to do it, and this is what you told me I'd get back, and that's what I'm expecting. Now, go to to Genesis, like I told you. Go to Genesis 13. Because remember now, I said God would never do or ask us to do what he has not done first. And I'm going to show you that Abraham, because here's the question I have. What in the world, or why in the world, did God bless Abraham Because that needs to be clarified to us so we can see what he gave him. In Genesis chapter 13, are you there? Look in verse 1. It says here, And Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him. And Abraham was very what? He was rich in what? Cattle and what else? Silver and what else? Gold. Now, here's the question again. What in the world did God bless Abraham with? That's so important that it was clarified and referenced back to the New Testament. In other words, if what Abraham, what God blessed him with was was not that important, why would he reference Abraham in the New Testament again? Because he wants us to see as New Testament believers that we're tied to Abraham and how he blessed Abraham is how he wants to bless us. Now, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 24. Go to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. It was God who prospered Abraham. See, I'm so glad that they listed how God blessed Abraham. Because, see, some people be like, well, he just blessed him with his health and his strength. He blessed him with some, uh, some guidance. Well, he blessed him with some tangible stuff, too. Now, in Genesis 24, look in verse 34. I love this. Genesis 30, 24, 34. Are you there? Okay. It says, and he said, I, I, now, now let me set up the stage. This was Abraham's servant. And Abraham sent his servant to go out to look for Isaac, a wife. And so, now remember, now this is a servant that lived with Abraham. So he went out and uh, he found these, this, this well that some people were at. And he found some ladies here. And in verse 34 it says, he says, and I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord has blessed my master greatly. That's interesting. How would the servant know that the Lord had blessed Abraham? He had to see God blessing Abraham. He said, the Lord has, he blessed my master greatly and he has become great. And he has given him, I'm glad he's spelling it out, flocks and herds. That's cars. Let's see, some of you all only have one car. What if somebody else need a car? You can't even let them borrow one because you only got one for you. What if your car breaks down? What you going to do then? Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with having three and four cars. Amen. You can start your little rental business. (laughs) Look what he says. 
He's given him flocks, herds, silver and gold, men servants and maids. Ain't nothing wrong with somebody else mowing your yard. Some of y'all are too tired anyway when you come home from work. Ain't nothing wrong for somebody else cleaning your house. I know you're not there yet. You can get there. Praise the Lord. He says, and then he goes, camels and asses. Those are the vehicles right there. And then he says, and Sarah, my master's wife, bear bear a son. But I just wanted you to see how the servant had described how God had prospered Abraham. Now, write down Genesis chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to read it to you, but I don't want you to go there. It says, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, he says, I lift up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and that I will not take a thread from you, from your shoelaces, and I will not take anything from you, from your hand, lest you say you have made me rich. Abraham went to this king and said, you know what, king of Sodom, I don't need nothing from you because I don't want you to ever say you made me rich. I want people to always know God's the one that's blessed me. And see, ain't nothing like being blessed beyond the the income that they currently pay you at your job. Ain't nothing like you driving a better car than what everybody else is driving, including your boss, and they make more money than you and they can't figure it out. Ain't nothing like having an 800 credit score and you paying all your bills on time because you have no stress and no strength because, listen, your income don't just depend on your job. It goes way beyond that. We're talking about the favor of God. Listen, I walked into the bank this week, and when I walked in, there was a couple sitting there being helped by the bank. And when I, when I walked in and looked at them, the Lord spoke to me and said, they are opening up a new account. Go put some money in it. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't really have a problem obeying God, but I do have a problem going to asking people, hey, are you opening up a new account? They're going to be like, you, what you want for? What you want to know? So I'm like, Lord, what kind of wisdom are you going to give me to do this? So the lady who was helping him from the bank walked off. I said, well, this is my chance right here. So I went over to the couple. They sitting down. They looking at me like, okay, what, what are you doing over here? And I said, hey, how y'all doing? And it just so happened the man recognized my face from the billboard. I was like, woo, we got a lead way right now. And he happened to be Jamaican, so he remembered my wife. And I said, hey, are you guys opening up a new account today? They said, yeah. I said, you know what? I want to put some money in it. Can I do that? They both looked at him, looked at, him at each other and said, you can do that. I said, I'll be right back. Let me go to the car and get a check. So I went to the car and got a check. And I said, I'm, uh, I told him, I said, you know, when I walked in, the Lord told me to put $500 in your new account. Can I do that? And, they, and so the lady comes that's helping him from the bank. And I'm at our desk. <laughs> she looks at me like, uh, can I help you? I didn't have to say a word. They both said at the same time, oh, he's putting some money in our new account. <laughs> she let me stay right there at that desk. So you don't have to be tied to your, your, your works money for God to bless you. Amen. So what did, here's the question. What did Abraham do in order for God to have blessed him? Well, I'm going to show you that Abraham gave God a tenth part of everything that he owned. He received and always had a God first position in everything that he owned. Go to Genesis 22. Go to Genesis 22. We're not far from that, are we? Genesis 22. Now, boy, this, this story here, I'm going to show you. It looks like I'm running out of time. Genesis 22. Look now in verse 1. And it came to pass after the things that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempt does not mean tempt with evil. It means to test. He tested Abraham and he said unto Abraham, Behold, Abraham said, Here am I. 
He said, I want you to now take your son, your only son, whom you love, and I want you to go into the land of Moriah, and I want you to offer your only son there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Watch this. Abraham didn't even argue with God. I'd have been like, wait a minute now. You promised me this son. You said he was, you were going to multiply the seed that came from, from my loins. And now you're asking me to burn him up? He never said nothing. The scripture says, Abraham rose up in the morning early. He saddled the ass. He took two of the young men with him and Isaac, his son. And see, people think Isaac was a baby right here. Isaac wasn't a baby because Isaac helped tote the wood up the mountain. So let's see here. It says, and Isaac, his son, got the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place that God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, watch this now. Let me show you Abraham's faith. He said, I want you to stay here with the, with the ass. Stay here with my Bentley, okay? And, I, and the lad and I, me and Isaac, we're going to go yonder and we're going to worship. And then he said, we're coming back to you again. Now, that's faith by Abraham because God just told him to offer up Isaac. Look at the next verse. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it upon Isaac. So Isaac had to be a strong young man at this point. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both up together. Now, Isaac is being confused right now because normally they got some kind of animal with them. So then the seventh verse, Isaac says, uh, Father Abraham, that have many sons in the future, but I'm the only one right now. He says, my father. He said, here am I, my son. He says, behold, I see the fire. I'm carrying the wood. But where in the world is the lamb for the burnt offering? And watch them show you Abraham's faith. Because see, what Isaac was saying is, Lord, uh, Daddy, we paid all of our bills first. Are we going to have enough left for God to bless us? Mm-hmm. That's how you put it right there in the day, right there. Look at, look at the next verse. He says, and Abraham said in verse 8, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went up together. And they got to the place. And Abraham built an altar, laid the wood there. He bound up his son Isaac. And laid him on the altar. I mean, Isaac was a good old boy. Boy, I've been fighting my daddy right up at that point. (laughs) And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife and was getting ready to slay the boy. And the angel of the Lord came, and I want to show you something here, and said, Abraham, he says, here am I. He said, don't lay your hands upon him. Don't do anything for him. Watch what God says. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing, watch this now, that you have not withheld thy only son, I'm going to add, thy first son from me. In other words, Abraham was willing to give God what he had, even if it was the only one first. Do you see that? Now, here's a question. How did Abraham know that God would supply? Because, see, if you go on to read, let's keep going. Uh, Look in verse uh, 14. And Abraham... Well, look at verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering to the Lord instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the place that God will provide. Now, watch this now. How would Abraham know that God was going to supply like that? Because he already had experience with God. 
Here he was, 90 years old. God gave him a promise that he was going to have a son and that son was going to multiply in, in more than the stars of the earth. And so for God to have him to be able to bless him with a son at 100 years old, he said, man, if God did that, I know God's going to come through again. And see, that's where now systematic giving, as you give to God, when you trust God, when you see God come through, then it don't scare you for the next time. And so that's what happened. How did he know? Because he knew that from the past, God had brought him out. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen God bring you out financially before after you obeyed him? Anybody in here? Now, I want you to write down this take-home statement. Duplicated efforts produce similar rewards. Duplicated efforts produce similar rewards. In other words, Abraham knew that God was going to come through because he had already seen God do it before in his life. Now, I have two people that I want to do an example for. One of them is Bruce because today is Bruce's birthday. Bruce, Bruce always, every Sunday, now I don't want to give you business, Bruce. I won't tell him the amount, but every Sunday, Bruce always puts some money in my hand. He always does it. He's, I don't ask him to. I don't, you know, he just does it. He just does that or he puts it in my car, my bag or someone because he helps me. And so uh, I'm just going to give Bruce 20 bucks. Here's 20 bucks right here, Bruce. All right. Now, is that okay for me to give you that? All right, you ain't got to pay me back or nothing. But, but Bruce, what if, what if I said, Bruce, if you give me back that 20 I'll give you in return a hundred. Would you do that? How many here would do that deal? Let me see your hand. Oh, I've seen a little girl. She's eight years old. I do that deal. I understand exactly what the preacher is saying right now. I know what kind of Xbox games I can buy with that money. I know what's going on right about now. Okay, so, so would you switch that 20 for a hundred? Okay, here, let's switch. Let's exchange. This is a hundred dollar bill. Give me that. Thank you. There. Now, how many would do that deal every single time? Let me see. Now, see, that's what, now, I'm a man, and, I, and I'm not like, the Bible says, let God be true, and every man be alive. So if me being a man was willing to do that, and he believed me, how much more should we believe God when he says he's going to do something? Now, now last week, uh, I normally don't always know, but, but, but my dad sold into the pastors. You know that, that pastor box on the envelope? My dad sold into the pastor's life. I was like, isn't that special? So if I gave you 20 bucks, Daddy, would you be okay with that? Would you take it? Okay, now what if I said, you know what? I will give you this $100 bill. Oh, look at him. I hadn't even finished my sentence. He already stretching that $20 bill out. Okay, I'm going to exchange this for the 20. Is that okay with you? Now, 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 that's what God, go to Haggai, we'll stop right here. Go to Haggai, I got one minute. <laughs> go to Haggai, I don't know where it is in the Bible, just go to your index and find it. It's on page 1023 if you got a Bible like mine. And let me show you this, let me show you this, 1023. When we put God first financially through the giving of our tithes and our offerings for his house and the vision that he gives to be supplied, he will bless us. It will bless us. But if we don't, it will hurt us. Now, watch this. Let me show you this principle. Now, that, that, that young lady who, uh, young sweetie, I saw her raise her hand. Let me see if I can spot her. There she is right there. Come here, baby. Right here. Uh, you don't have to come here. I'll just come to you. You said you would do that deal for 100 didn't you? Okay. So I'm going to give you $20. Here you go right here. Here you go. $20. Thank you. 
Now, would you give me that for $100 back? <laughs> Didn't look like she wanted to waste no time. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Thank you. Two, four, six, eight, a hundred. There you go. That's for not falling asleep in service. Now look at Haggai chapter 1. Haggai 1. Are you there? Haggai chapter 1, look at verse 6. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet and says, Is it time for you to dwell in sealed houses and the house of the Lord lie in waste or this house? Verse 5. Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says, you've sown much, but you brought in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You even drink, but you're not filled with drink. He says, you buy clothes, but yet you're still not warm. And he says, you go to work and you earn wages, but yet... It's like earning wages and put it into a bag with holes in it. He said, thus said the Lord, consider your ways. He says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. He's talking about his house. I'll show you that in just a second. He says, and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. He says, you look for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew on it. Why, says the Lord? Because my house is wasted. Now, let me say this to you. When you make sure that God's house is supplied for, because see, that's what they did in the Old Testament. But see, God's house in these days is the church. When you bring the money in for God's house to be taken care of, and see, people think it's for me. It ain't for me. Listen, first of all, it's way beyond me. We have like 35 people, I think, that are on staff at our church that get paid something. That's way beyond me, right? A lot of money that are coming out of there. But that's not the point. My point is, as long as we're here, see, what's going to get us to 360? It's us, not me. It's we and not me. And if we all do our part in the process, God will bless us. Because if you keep reading Haggai, what ends up happening is they went and they got some wood and they start building and God began to bless them. So here, what am I saying this morning? I'm saying that in order for God to consistently bless us, we must have him in a God first position with our money. Now, if you already tithe and give, this message is for you to keep your faith alive. Because sometimes we stop doing it by faith and we start doing it with our feelings. You cannot give with your feelings because once you start giving with your feelings, the process of your feelings will cause you to walk in fear. But when you give by faith, you will always prosper in your finances. So, if you learned anything from this morning's message, I want you to clap your hands to the Lord right there. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior.